0: this is the happen to your career podcast episode 178
1: yeah well it's it's interesting that really smart really talented really capable people still make some of the same mistakes or hit some of the same stumbling blocks that folks in all the other professions and doing all kinds of applications do and i think that that was a great indicator for us that there are some key principles that differentiate the good from the great
0: This has happened to your career. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and then make it happen. Whether you're looking to do your own thing or find your dream job, you've come to the right place. I'm Scott Barlow.
2: I'm gonna be the operations coordinator for CASA, which is stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate.
0: This is Sarah. She has many passions and skills, which actually made it kind of difficult for her.
2: My whole career type story has been one of sort of bouncing around because I didn't know what I wanted to do and I could never figure it out.
0: Listen for Sarah's story later on in the episode to learn how she used Career Change Bootcamp to help her finally figure out what fits her.
2: I had the opportunity to really just kind of try to figure it out.
0: This is Scott Anthony Barlow and you are listening to Happen to Your Career, the show that helps you figure out what work fits you by exploring other stories. Now we get to bring on experts like Jenny Foss, a career consultant who helps people define and communicate their personal brands or people that have pretty amazing stories like Eric Murphy who identified his big value adds to follow a career path that he's been able to grow. These are people that are just like you. They've gone from where they are to what they really want to be doing. Now, in this week's episode, we're doing something different. Well, and you've heard me say that before we've done more than a few different things, but we try and practice what we preach to get ourselves outside the comfort zone too and we had we had a really pretty interesting experience over the last over the last about thirty days or so here at h d y c because we've we've been hiring a couple of people, and in in the past, we've hired a few people beyond that. And we've noticed a few things along the way. <laughs> Some things that we've seen all over the rest of, uh, rest of the world as well. When people go to apply for a job. So I have with me today a very, very special guest. You've heard her here on, on past episodes. You can, go to, you can go to episode 147 for her entire story. And I would absolutely recommend that. It's one of our most popular episodes, in fact. But welcome back on the Happy New girl podcast, Lisa Lewis. how are you?
1: I am great. How are you doing, Scott?
0: Oh, so good, so good. And <laughs> before we even hit the hit the record button we uh, we were we were chatting a little bit here and talking through some of the really interesting phenomenons about how high performers apply for jobs and how the rest of the world applies for jobs. So that is that is what we're going to talk about through this entire episode, because there's such a disparity. It's it's ridiculous. And here's what the what was really interesting to both you and I. And we're coming off. Let's see it. uh, Just last week when we uh, we actually had you up here, we flew up to to Moses Lake, Washington, thriving metropolis that it is, but uh, but uh my wife and I love it. So it's our home base, headquarters, everything else. But we were talking in detail about how, how it's so interesting that one of the positions we had open was a career coach position, right? Mm-hmm. And you would think that for a career coach position, you'd think you would see model applicants the entire way, right? Especially since we've been really really fortunate to have lots of very 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 talented very intelligent people apply to apply to our jobs but what i've observed is that even even career coaches don't necessarily know how to do some of these things in the very 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 best way so that was that was kind of a, a indicator for us as as we chatted about it that look if we've got career coaches in the world that don't know how to do this stuff, then everybody else probably needs to know how to do it too, right? What what would yeah. you add to that? We we had a lot of conversation over the last week about this.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's interesting that really smart, really talented, really capable people still make some of the same mistakes or hit some of the same stumbling blocks yeah. that folks in all the other professions and doing all kinds of applications do. And I think that that was a great indicator for us that there are some key principles that differentiate the good from the great, that if you can identify these, incorporate these and practice these in your own application process as you're looking for jobs, you'll be able to distinguish yourself and stand out without doing a huge amount of effort, but probably with fighting a couple natural tendencies or some of the traditional best practices that you might have heard or read or seen other people talk about. Yeah. So I'm really excited to dive in and talk about some of the things that we saw in even career coach applications that differentiated the the stars from the typical applicant. That everybody who's listening to the podcast can use immediately to start getting better results.
0: Okay. And on that note, that 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 puts the pressure on us to make sure that uh, that we're teeing it up really really well here. So on that note, what we'd love to love to take you through is how to how to actually go through and be able to get the results that uh, that you're interested in getting cuz most people are interested in getting what out of the application process an interview right or some kind of meeting of some sort right that is the whole purpose of applying so as it turns out there's actually more than one way to be able to get to that meeting that interview in the first place and i know that we're going to dive into that so hang tight we'll we'll get into all that but I love how you put it in terms of we've got, we've got essentially what the rest of the world is doing. And then we've got a tiny little portion of the world that are in this high performer category and that are doing it completely differently. And it's evident. Oh, go ahead.
1: And well, I want to jump in and say, you just articulated that the point, the point of doing an application is to get an interview. And I think that that actually might be a place where our philosophy and what we've seen to be successful with our top performers may be different from what an average person might be thinking because I think so often people think of, okay, I'm doing the application to get the job. But I think the key thing that is different about the way that people who are, who are stars are doing this sort of an activity is that you're actually not completely wedded to the idea of getting the job. What you want to do is see if that role and the culture of the organization is going to be a great fit for you and then use that data point to decide whether or not you want the job and you're going to be doubling down. But we'll get to that in a second here too.
0: Yes, yes, all that and more here. So actually let's dive into that point because I think that's a great kicking off point to be able to help people understand what happens before it happens, if, if you will. And what I just heard you say that we spend a lot of time teaching people to do. I know that our coaches, this is this is a big chunk of time for what we're actually doing with people behind the scenes. And part of the reason why we, uh, even though we've got tons and tons of coaching applications, uh, why we're interested in taking really great coaches and then bringing them to the team and making them best in the world in this particular category. Because this is something that is hard to do, hard to teach, and hard to practice when there's other pressures in place, so particularly this first step of determining what do, what do you what do you actually want? How does how does this role does it to your point? Answering the question of does this even line up with something that is worthwhile to be spending my time on? And as it turns out, there's some upfront work to be able to do instead of just jumping right to the application to say, "Hey, is." <laughs> Is this even a fit? Because if it's not, why on earth would you waste a ton of time uh, going through the application process? And I know that uh, you can hit the you can hit the button on uh, on Indeed to apply, or hit the button on LinkedIn to be able to apply, or hit the button on a bunch of other places to apply. And we find that rarely does that rarely is that actually effective. For people because so many other people are hitting the button to uh, apply that it just comes through as, as junk and i know that being on the opposite end of that table when you get all of these applications that have come through that way and it's like junk 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 that uh you end up moving through those very 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 quickly to the ones that are going to stand out and it makes when makes the case that when people do stand out, it's, it's drastic. We'll talk more about that in a second. So how do we answer the question of what is the right upfront work to do in order to determine if it is a fit in advance and then why else is it worthwhile to do this, this work here?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, and so one of the things that I know we talk about a lot is when you're determining if it's a fit. In advance of setting in your application, you have to be clear on some things for yourself first, and yeah. those things are, you know, what are my signature strengths and the ways that I can best help an organization to achieve their goals. Yeah. So remember, an organization does not care about you; they care <laughs> about what you can do for them. Yes. So focusing on okay, what are the ways that I can help serve and solve interesting problems, and what are the sorts of problems that they have that my skill set might apply really nicely to. a huge piece of the research and the work to do up front. So that can look like researching the organization and what sort of services and and products that they offer. It can be looking at their core values, looking at some of the press around them. So, you know, what sort of media coverage have they been getting recently? Are they upholding their values in the way that they are interacting with the media? It can be looking at things like Glassdoor.com and other online resources where people can give real testimonials about what an organization looks like to see if they are walking their talk, essentially. You know, do they have these glossy values written on their website, but they don't actually bring those to life in the way that they treat employees, the way that they create opportunities, give people room to grow, give them autonomy, you know, all sorts of great things like that. So I think that starting out by just getting a sense of what the organization looks like and what you need to be happy is a huge, huge first step to take before applying for the position. And I know that that can feel really counterintuitive because you see the job, you found the posting online, um, in some cases, and you see it's been posted online for 12 days, and your brain goes into this panic of, oh my gosh, this position might go offline tomorrow, and then I will miss the opportunity, this job is never coming up ever again, so I just need to get my application in now. And so there's a real temptation to shortcut or bypass this process As we'll talk about here in a minute, shortcutting or bypassing the process can totally undermine your application because it'll come off as being unresearched or casual or hurried. And for top people, when you take the time to do this level of careful investigation to see if it's going to be a fit on both sides, you can sometimes get the rules of the application process changed for you.
0: And we've, (laughs) I've seen a lot of evidence. I've been that person where it's been changed for me in the, in the past. In fact, for uh, two different, two different roles that ended up just being phenomenal fits for me. And I really, really enjoyed that. They were each kind of respectively my dream job at the time. Both of those situations were, uh, drastic exceptions. So um, and I can tell those stories here in a little bit if we get the time for them, but I think one of the things that is really critical to answer here is what you started talking about like what are you actually researching? what are you actually looking for how does that how does that then translate into whether or not this is a fit because I think that that can be proverbial um minefield because it's, it's very, very cushy and you got to sort out some of that stuff for yourself. So let's assume we're not going to dive into this particular episode, but if you want to, you can go back to some of our past episodes, uh, on figuring out what fits you or our past episodes, or we actually have an entire audio course called the what fits you podcast. That'll guide you through that portion of the process. You can search, uh, search on iTunes, for the what fits you podcast and there's eight episodes that a little little mini audio course that'll that'll help you through those pieces of it. So, for the sake of this conversation, we're assuming that you're coming into it already knowing what is really incredibly important to you, right? And after you know that, one of the, one of the major things that I look for anytime I and we've seen top performers do the exact same thing is you know, who who actually works there? Do those people have similar values to what you do? Are they people that you actually want to hang around? And what are the most important pieces that are important to you in, in that way? Sometimes it means that you might actually have to reach out to some people in the organization to find that out. Oh my goodness, that's gonna take so much time. Yeah, like 15 minutes in some cases, uh, 15 minutes to be able to find out who it is and, and reach out to them, uh, and then maybe 15 minutes to have a conversation. But that half an hour could save you uh, tons of time in interviewing if you even got it, or more accurately, save the lost opportunity cost of going through and filling out an application where it's going to take you an hour to hour and a half to do a solid application minimum, and then never ever ever hear back from it cuz you won't have the information to be able to do us all the job. So there's there's a couple of different things. What would you add to that as well?
1: Yeah, I think that if we were to distill this down into, you know, three key things that you need to do for your application, and the first is make sure you're doing that upfront work and the research to ensure that it at least looks like a good fit before you even get started. The second is definitely contacting someone who's at the organization before you apply. And, you know, one of the reasons why that's such an important thing to do is because there's only so much information that you can get on the Internet. You know, Glassdoor can give you some great pieces of feedback and testimonials from people who have been there. But it's oftentimes from people who are leaving an organization who may have a different view than people who are currently there about the culture, the team dynamics, the direction of the organization, the growth potential, uh, the quality of the leadership and the transparency of the leadership. So getting an opportunity to talk with somebody before you apply, even if that person is not a hiring manager, or even if that person isn't in the exact department you want to be in, can give you some fabulous insider information to use about what's the company really, really excelling at right now, or what's the company really struggling with right now, that you can then use to essentially, you know, differentiate the way that you present how you are a a key fit for the organization because you have way more secret inside information about what they're looking for and what they truly need. You know, again, getting a sense of you know, is what you see what you get, you know, does what they have on their website or on the job posting or whatever it is match up exactly with what they're looking for or is there some nuance to it that maybe the position that you're looking for is to fill for a manager who is running their team into the ground and they need somebody who is coming in as a a leader or growing leader who has a vision for how to really develop their team and you can use that information to tailor the way that you think about how to approach your own candidacy and position yourself to look totally different than you might have if you were just going on a job application alone or just your research alone.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, all of these things that that we're talking about, we we I mean, this is what we teach to people when we're doing coaching or when they're enrolled in career change bootcamp, or this is, this is a big, um, there's just a huge amount of ways to to do this. Uh, however, I want to give you just a couple examples of how you can actually reach out to somebody in that case.
2: I just didn't really have a thing, you know, that I felt like I was really good at. I always called myself a dabbler.
0: Not only did Sarah struggle with the array of passions, but she also had some other setbacks. I couldn't walk
2: anymore and bedridden for at least a year, probably closer to two.
0: After she recovered physically, Sarah began searching for a job again and struggled quite a bit.
2: So I felt like I kept having all these false starts, which made me feel like I wasn't really building much of a resume. I knew it was too vague, but it was because I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I just did never feel like I could reach higher because I didn't have the quote unquote experience, you know, kind of a thing. And that's where I think this course really helped.
0: Now Sarah's talking about Career Change Bootcamp, which helped her realize that setbacks could still be positioned to find the perfect job.
2: You don't necessarily have to have the same job description for 15 years to have it apply to a new position.
0: Sarah was finally able to figure out what fit.
2: I'm gonna be the operations coordinator for CASA, which is stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. And then hopefully in the next year or so bump up to the operations manager.
0: Congratulations to Sarah on finding work that she loves. If you also want to figure out what work fits you and find that fulfilling career that lights you up and gives you purpose, well, you can find out how Career Change Bootcamp can help you step by step. Because, well, That's what we do. All you have to do is go to happen and click on career change bootcamp to apply for our next opening and next cohort. Or you can text my coach that's M Y coach to four, four, two, two, two. And we'll send you over an application and help you figure out if it's a great fit for you pause right now. And go ahead and text my coach to four, four, two, two, two.
2: Being willing to be open to what is, what is your inner self really, truly saying to you and not just what you hear everybody else saying it should be.
0: So let's take the situation that you just described at the beginning, Lisa, and say, OK, I want to reach out to some other people, maybe not necessarily the hiring manager, but I want to even find out what these other people that are that may be in the similar departments or uh, or that currently work for the organization, what they even think about it and what um, what what you can what you can learn. So. I, Let's talk through an example of how to, how to actually do that. Um, and one thing that jumps to mind is being able to go for, the, go for the low-hanging fruit first. Sometimes you might already know somebody who knows somebody else who can make that introduction. And very, very often when you, when you have that, it's a lot easier inroads to be able to make that happen. That can happen fairly quick, uh, depending on your relationship with them and how good of a relationship that they have with that other person. The stronger the relationship, typically, the more weight it's going to carry in each of those cases. So that might be as simple as dropping your uh, dropping an email to your friend or text message to your friend saying, "Hey, do you know such and such over over at uh, XYZ Corporation?" Uh, I'm more interested in, in learning more about one of the roles that they've got open and trying to figure out if this is a fit. And then if they say yes, that's fantastic, then you can proceed from there. One of the suggestions that I always uh, always make is when you're having somebody introduce you to somebody else, let's say that it's an email type format. I would go so far as to write the email for them. Like write, <laughs> write out, Make it super easy so they just have to. If they want to, they can just hit the send button. So that might be something like, "Hey, I wanted to introduce you to uh, Lisa Lewis, who is um, who is got a track record of you know ten years of experience in uh, marketing, and she's worked as a career coach over at HTYC. She's interested in in." some of what you do over here, wondering if you'd be willing to spend 15 minutes with her and tell her a little bit more about your organization. And it might be very, very easy to be able to put that together. But if I, as the, as the party who's going to introduce you, if I have to think about that, I might want to do that, but I might prioritize that way, way lower. So if you take all of the steps to be able to make it easy for that to happen, That's what high performers are doing. They're thinking a step ahead and saying, how can I make this super easy for each piece to say yes, each person to say yes, that's involved. What would you, what would you add to that? Or what, how would you tweak that?
1: Yeah, I think that, I think that's a fabulous point. And I actually want to talk about an example of even if you have a direct line of access to that person, why it's so critical to contact somebody before you apply Um, Because I, when we were posting our career coach opening on the team, I posted this in this fabulous community of badass ladies uh, that I belong to. And out of the probably 10 messages that I got about people who were applying, only one person wanted to talk to me before they sent in their application. All the rest of the messages and notes that I got were little uh, Facebook chats that said, Hey, just applied for this. Thanks so much. Or, hey, can you tell me about the position? Yeah. And given that we had so many applications that come in for the position, notes like that are, frankly, tough to respond to and low on my priority list to be able to help. Because if you just tell me, hey, thanks, I applied, I still don't know who you are. I don't know your capabilities. I don't know why you applied. I don't know anything to be able to be an advocate for you. So that is, it's not helping your candidacy the way that you might want or might hope.
0: Well, let's break that down for just a second because uh, what you just said is that, so that's going to differentiate you from everybody else that applied and didn't do anything. Right. But it's not going to differentiate. Maybe, um, you know, maybe I remember getting a single email from you or maybe uh, that's the case. Or maybe I recognize your name when I'm going through later and looking at the applications, but it's not doing anything to help me get to know you, and it's not doing anything to help me to get to like you, and it's not doing anything to help me to get to trust you for the most part, uh, which are some of the biggest reasons why um, <laughs> why I'm going to make a hiring decision, uh, making the assumption that all the skills are there and I perceive that you can actually do the job. So, mm-hmm. so what would be what would be another example? Then how can you how can you actually go further? And do that that part of the process differently, so that you can actually distinguish between um, between I don't know point uh, point A and point B that we just described. How how can we how can we make a drastic difference so that people can know, like, and trust you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to take an opportunity like T ball, where you know the person, you can get in touch with them easily and turn that into a home run for yourself. Yep. The way to think about this is reaching out to them to show that you have um, been thoughtful and done your research so that you did that upfront work, step one, and then asking them specific questions that you couldn't have answered yourself via research. So <laughs> something like, <laughs> well, something like, hey, I read about the job description and even telling them the steps that you've been through. Read about the job description, took a look at the website, you know, saw some of the testimonials from your past clients and see that this is clearly an amazing place to work. You know, I saw that the organization's values were listed online, but I wanted to get a sense for how they actually honor those in day-to-day life and what a typical day on the team might look like. You know, would you have 10 or 15 minutes to chat with me on the phone or Skype or in person, you know, whatever that might look like, to help me get a really good sense for what working at this organization might look like or how one could get their foot in the door there? And that kind of note leaves such an impression because you're showing me, hey, I'm willing to hustle and do my side of the work and make this as easy for you to help me as possible. And here's why I think that you have a unique perspective to be able to share that I might not, not be able to get from somebody else. Yeah. So that sort of feels so good and nice to receive that I'm delighted to help you. Being, being able to see how much work you've already done, I am happy to be an advocate for you, even from that email, even if we can't talk to each other. Um, but it also gives me a really good sense for when we have that conversation, of the the level of performance you're already coming in with if you're willing to do that much work up front i can only imagine what kind of hustle and work you're going to put in if you become a part of the team
0: so think about all the subtle cues that are going into that uh, some that you just called out in terms of look i i've already acknowledging that a bunch of this stuff is on the website and i've already you're queuing that hey i've already done all this research you're also queuing that, hey, here's the stuff I, I couldn't actually find, but I'm legitimately interested and curious about which uh, that curiosity is something that we as humans have a tendency to be able to respond to uh, with that showing interest, especially if that interest is targeted towards something that is relevant to whoever is on the other end receiving that. So there's opportunity to even even do that any, even more. We had um, one of the one of the people that we had hired. Uh, out of, out of this last round for our, our partnerships position, she had gone so far is to do, uh, she had, she had attended one of our trainings and she had, uh, she had been through some of the backlogs of, of the podcast episodes. So she actually pulled out several different obscure facts mm-hmm. that, would only be known and only be shown by somebody doing their research and then related it specifically to me in one or two sentences in, in that email. And, um, particularly something that, uh, that we, we use, well, and I guess another example of that is we do something called the puzzle method. You've heard it on the podcast. If you listen for more than 17 seconds and we help people understand how to, how to do exactly that. So she referenced that within the, within One of those emails herself and that showed me that she had done that research, but also that she actually cared about what it was that we do versus just, um, initial outlook on the, on the company seems to line up. So there's a, there's a drastic difference in terms of, um, how shall I say it? I'm a, I, the words are escaping me this morning. lisa, fill fill me in here. But
1: uh, taking that research and then turning it into something that is super compelling yeah. for the person who may or may not be taking a look at your application.
0: yeah, tangible. Yeah, 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 absolutely.
1: yeah. And one more story to throw in there is that with this round of career coach applications, yes, we had um had every intention of closing down the application process. Oh, yeah. and had somebody who reached out personally, to say, hey, we'd love to chat with you before I send in my application to see if this is a good fit. And because of that conversation with that person, we actually changed the, the end of the application process to be able to pull that person in because they were totally impressive in the amount of research they'd done. They were asking really thoughtful questions and were showing that they really cared and were willing to, to take the time to wait and get it right before sending in an application. So just one more one more way to say how contacting somebody prior to applying can help to even change the application process to pull you in in a way where you might not have been able to under other circumstances. So it it is an investment of Time and hustle and effort up front that can have serious dividends down the line.
0: And that's not a one time thing either. I've been on the end of conversations. I've been arguing with the hiring manager as the HR and recruiter person who it's like, no, we want to close down the thing. And they had been contacted or recently heard of somebody else who they just thought was a phenomenal fit for one reason or another. And, you know, we've had that argument in the in the background and made the decision that it was the right thing to do in order to keep it open or reopen it for a Case or allow them to apply, apply through the back end or, you know, escape the process and not apply at all, which cues up the next thing. Sometimes what happens with high performers in particularly is if you do this this work to be able to understand what's, what's going to be a great situation be for you. And then uh, the multipurpose benefit of that research is that you also get a lot of that intel that you need to know throughout uh, throughout this process anyways to make the rest of it work. And then you go through and, and you contact somebody that is in the company that can either help you or hire you that sometimes you don't even need to apply. I I remember, and we've had this happen for a number of our clients too and a number of our students, but sometimes when you do that, sometimes there's really just no reason to go through and apply. Sometimes they will just make the exception for you. And one role in particular, I remember going and applying after I had made after I'd accepted the job offer on my first day, they had me as an after effect so that I was in the system go in and apply, even though I'd already accepted the job offer.
2: Yeah,
1: it's always funny when that happens. And sometimes organizations have online job applications, but they don't actually ever look at online applicants. That they are companies that are built almost exclusively on internal referrals. So I I know that there are a handful, I know, you know there are probably even more than I'm aware of where if you don't get someone to personally walk your resume in to the hiring manager or to HR, you are never gonna get through their online application because number one, they get a million different online applications because online applications are easy and fast. And so people do them quickly and sometimes thoughtlessly. And then again, like you were talking about earlier, fill up the hiring manager's inbox or the HR screener's inbox with junk, 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 junk. Um, So thinking about getting in touch with somebody before you apply can sometimes be the difference between even being seen or even being looked at. Even if you are a perfect fit and you've spent all the time tailoring your application to show off how you meet each one of the bullet points of experience they requested.
0: Or the side benefit of that is maybe you determine that it's not a great fit after you've talked to somebody.
1: And then you save
0: yourself all the frustrating... Because I I haven't... Have you met anybody that loves filling out applications? I've yet to meet (laughs) somebody. I'm sure there is a wonderful soul, but my experience is that generally most high performers, they like doing the stuff that's going to uh, have an impact. And a lot of them look at the application process as not having an impact. And so it becomes useless work in, in many of our minds. So, uh, I don't think there's too many people that absolutely love that. And if you can save yourself that time, that is awesome. One more benefit.
1: Yeah. Love it. And I think that the, the last thing to talk about when it comes to Making this as easy on the hiring manager to say yes to you as possible. Mm -hmm. I think the third thing to talk about is how you make sure that in the way that you are finishing up the application process, whether it's in emails back and forth actually with the hiring manager or sending in an online job application, that you make sure that your research comes through. So you make it as relevant as possible. You show them that you're not taking this casually and you weren't just one of the hundred people who that day clicked the button on LinkedIn or Indeed to just auto-submit an application. And you make your effort, energy, and enthusiasm come through in your application because of being specific and being really clear about the sorts of things that you saw that make the organization compelling.
0: And this is where, if you haven't done that upfront research... You just simply don't have the ability to do this. It's, it's not even possible, or you're scrambling after the fact, and that's not fun either. But when you're going through and doing that research, uh, on, the, on the front side, usually some of the things that I'm, I'm looking for and some of the categories that I'm thinking about, too, that then becomes later uh, easy to make it relevant is, you know, one, I'm always looking to find out, hey, who are the people that are going to be involved in this process and what do I have in common with them? You know, what are the rapport areas, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, What do I know about what is most important to them in that role or essentially like why the role exists in the first place? Uh, And then what do I know about the other people that are going to, what do I know about the other people that are going to encounter your application through the process too? This is making the assumption that you've determined that it is the right thing to apply. Uh, And how Can I hit on all of those points so that when they read the application, they're like, yes, this person looks like somebody who I should read the rest of the application. Oh, yes, this person has this set of experiences that lines up with some of the things that we need. And you've already done that research in advance. You already know that that's going to be the case. And oh, yes, you know what? This uh, this person actually has some of the same value sets. Wow. Oh, wow. They're like (laughs) it's like. They were made for this role, and that's that's the type of result that you want when when they go through and actually view the application so that each portion of it is a yes, and they want to read the next line, and then yes, they want to read the next line, and check, and they want to read the next line, so that every, every single aspect of it is getting them to read through the entire application and say that, yeah, it's likely a fit. Okay, that means that then the next step is we need to have a meeting, quote unquote, the interview, right? So that's, that's a different way to think about the application process than what most people are thinking about because they're usually thinking about, okay, how do I just fill in what they ask? They ask me for my experience. How do I put in my experience? Instead, uh, don't put in your experience. Put in the stuff that's relevant to the role, the company, and the people that are going to be looking at it.
1: Yeah, and it's something that we teach our, our students and our coaching clients how to do on a very personalized level, even more through some of the different ways that um, that you can get, get involved with HGYC. But one of the biggest things I think that's important to think about is, you know, if everybody else is submitting their same standard version of their resume, what are some minor tweaks that you can do on that relevance front to start looking more like the dream candidate for a role? Yeah. You know, because... It might be easier and faster, again, for you to be sending in your resume exactly as it is, but you know, standouts, people who are hitting home runs, top performers, stars, etc., are taking that extra little bit of time to tweak and polish and focus the way that they look on a resume because so often this you know single two-dimensional piece of paper has to encapsulate everything that is interesting and compelling about you to a hiring manager, especially if you haven't gotten the chance to chat with them yet. So how do you make that be as strategic of a marketing document as you possibly can based on everything you've learned from all the other research and all of the other um, intentional focused outreach, insider intel, et cetera, that you've gained throughout the process?
0: And the reality is it's nearly impossible to be able to get that result where you're going through and having it happen in a very tailored way where they're like, yes, 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 yes. This is the person. Oh my God. Like. You can't get that type of result unless you've done that upfront work and been able to actually chat with some people at the organization to understand what really matters. Because sometimes there's a disparity between what you see online and what is there uh, in actuality. So one doesn't happen without the other. And that is just really hopefully that gives you a, a great overview into how how high performers are thinking about this process compared to how everyone else is thinking about the process and one other way to break it down and really focus on results versus anything else. And this is what always helps me is I always think about it in terms of what is the, what is the smallest amount of input that I can, I can put into the process in order to get the, outcomes that I actually want. Now, I don't want a job. I want a job offer that I'm really, really excited about and is a great fit for me. So a little bit of distinguishing right there. I only want job offers that are great fit. They align with what I want. They align with my values, et cetera, et cetera, all of those other things. And if I'm I'm doing that, then even though I'm spending a lot more time on the front end, what we find is that people get a higher amount of job offers uh, that align with them compared to the amount of hours that they are actually putting into the process. When you break it out, you know, somebody's probably spending, a high performer is probably spending way less time, and we usually see that they're spending way less time on a per-job offer basis, per-result basis, compared to somebody else who may have put in 50 applications And gotten, you know, maybe they still got two job offers or even one job offer, but it's not aligned with really what they want. Does that make sense? I was trying to think how to communicate that particularly clearly. How would you, how would you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I think that's a great way to phrase it, you know, because so often we're focused on like, I need to get a job offer. I need to get a job offer. But if that's the way that you're measuring success, then you may very well find yourself in a situation where you end up dragging discontents and baggage from one position to another, to another to another, because you were so focused on that outcome of, you know, I just want to get a new job offer. It'd be great if it had a higher pay level. It would be great if it had a better title. It'd be great if it was at a prestigious place. But if you're not focusing on the things that really contribute to your own sense of contentment, fulfillment, excitement, success in a role, then getting just a job offer probably isn't going to be good enough for you. You know, especially the people that we tend to work with are people who like can probably go out there and get job and get offers because they can, they can yeah. do a lot of things. They're very talented, but it's this question of you can do anything. You have the capabilities to do anything. So how do we make sure that your time and effort and your energy are focused on the things that are going to be really fulfilling and satisfying for you? And this process is a great way to make sure that you're doing that up front so that you are not wasting precious time and energy because we know you've got limited time and energy on applications that aren't
0: going to fit. Love it. Lisa, thank you so much for making the time and taking the time coming on the show and really really appreciate all your insight. This is this is awesome. This is this is why we can keep having you back. This is this is why we want you on the team. And if you if you want to catch more of Lisa's story, definitely go back to episode 147. You can you can absolutely do that. You can certainly find her all over our our website and uh, her role has, has shifted a little bit over the last, last four months. So she's still doing coaching with us, but you've also taken on some additional responsibilities and become our, uh, become our, well, we don't even actually have a full title for you yet. To be honest, I just realized that just now as I'm, <laughs> as I'm talking to the h 2 is everywhere. Uh, but we well, this have,
1: actually might be a good thing to save up for another podcast episode to talk about the process what we're going through right now that we are going to be so excited to unveil to HTYC or soon about how we're taking all of our material and our work from great to world-class.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, we've had so many learnings over the last five years. Now we get to take that and, and take it to world-class. And I'm so excited about that. Next time we'll, uh, we'll dive into plenty more of that. Hey, thanks again.
1: Oh, thank you. It's such a pleasure.
0: Bye, guys. Hey, hope you loved that episode with Lisa. And I wanted to say thank you so much because we have yet another five-star review. And I really appreciate all of you heading over to iTunes, heading over to Stitcher so that you can leave us a little bit of honest feedback. But I'm just absolutely amazed that uh that we have virtually nothing but five stars out there uh and in fact 100 percent of five star reviews on on itunes so that is that is awesome and i just want to say thank you for listening because i mean quite honestly uh, none of the stuff that we do gets to happen without you so really really appreciate it this one's from jackie gutierrez And she says, worth listening. This podcast is serving as an inspiration to my present situation. I'm still on my journey to landing a career that best fits me. It's a relief to know that I'm not alone. The guests on the show provide some insight as to what it's like to feel stuck and overcome that terrible situation. I'm so glad that I stumbled on this podcast. Hey, thank you so much, Jackie, for listening. I really, really appreciate it. Hey, remember Sarah Hawkins from earlier? Well, guess what? She's actually going to be on next week joining us for the Happen to Your Career podcast so that she can tell exactly how she made her change into operations management for a nonprofit, which, as it turns out, is exactly what she wanted to be doing. Take a listen on what's coming up next week.
2: You know, my dad was a CPA. My sister was a CPA. My other two sisters are amazing teachers, my brother's an awesome salesman, but I just didn't really have a thing, you know, that I felt like I was really good at that I should pursue. You know, it was I always called myself a dabbler <laughs> that I liked to, to do things for a little while, but then when it started to get too in depth and too in, you know, where you'd have to be like an expert, I just lost interest or it just wasn't worth that extra step to become an expert you
0: know hey all that and more next week on happen to your career join us and we'll dive deep into one of our stories that's very near and dear to us because we got to play a small part in her change all right we'll see you next week on HTYC. until then i'm out adios